thank you for the music, and I'd like for you to open your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 10 as we can continue our study in Ecclesiastes. He's been talking about a fool and um, being wise and contrasting that. We talked about that last week, and he, um, in, in the process, he, uh, he tells us that the wise man's heart leads him aright. The fool's man's heart leads him astray. And not only did he, uh, as he contrasted, he, he got into the picture of talking about what it does. And he says it's like uh, a fool, uh, being foolish, is, uh, it'll destroy things, it'll destroy you. And then he uh, talked about direction. He said the wise man's heart directs him towards the right way, but the foolish man's heart directs him towards the left and he'll he'll be going in the wrong the opposite direction in the wrong way and the reason uh, why the fool goes that way is because his heart is leaning in the wrong direction he tells us why it's inside the man his heart and so he gives us all of that and then uh, he talks about how to deal with them. He says, if the ruler's tempter rises against you, do not abandon your position uh, because composure allays great offenses. In other words, wait it out. Trust the Lord with it. And that's not always easy to do. But uh, we want to jump back at the person. We want to argue with them. We want to fight with them. And he says, don't do that. I mean, sometimes there's a time where you must take a stand. But he says, don't just react. And there is an evil I have seen under the sun, like an arrow which goes forth from the ruler. Folly is set in many exalted places, while rich men sit in humble places. In other words, uh, through the buddy system, you'll see this a lot of times in, in government, in business, in whatever it might be, even in, sometimes in, in church. And, and we put the wrong people in the position or we allow that to happen all because they're our friends or whatever they're certain people's friends and those that he's dealing with here or he's talking about people of folly foolish decisions he says uh, they if they get the um, uh, you know the wrong people in there then they'll make the wrong judgments and we'll be looking at that further in just a few moments as we look at uh, the portrait of a fool tonight and then as he says, he tells us how to deal with it. We, uh, we didn't get to the point where he talks about the dangers to avoid. And in verses uh, 8 through 11, he says, He who digs a pit may fall into it, and a serpent may bite him who breaks through a, wa a wall. He who uh, quarrels stones may be hurt by them, and he who uh, splits logs may be endangered by them. If the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success. If the serpent bites before charmed, there is no profit for the charmer. And so he, he talks about some dangers here that uh, the folly uh, is uh, uh, presented with and, and uh, that can happen to him. He says digging through a wall. Uh, the danger is falling into a pit, breaking through a wall, being bitten by a snake, quarreling stones, being hurt by falling stones, splitting logs, endangering oneself, and chopping wood. 
overexertion due to a dull axe. He talks about all of this here. So the preacher is writing about more than just splitting wood, more than just digging through a wall or whatever else mentioned. This man that he's talking about lives a life that needs to be lived by wisdom, but instead is living foolishly. The fool, he says, digs a pit for somebody to fall into. And guess who ends up falling into it? He does. It could be referring to a, a, a pit digging, uh, laying a trap for someone that's mentioned in the Bible. The fool himself ends up falling into that trap that he dug. I mean, a lot of times people will try to lay a trap for you, and then in turn, the more they speak, the more they reveal themselves, and the more they reveal the situation that they've created. And so he talks about this, and he says, that, you know, this could be setting up someone. Uh, you know, uh, we see it all the time, setting somebody up for the fall, and then them really being guilty of it, and them falling to it. And the preacher warns us about breaking through some wall of obstruction. And the purpose is to... Uh, get someone or something from someone, in other words. Uh, they, this is the picture here that he's, he's showing. And uh, it's like taking advantage of them or using them. And uh, Solomon warns about these things and advises us to seek wisdom in such situations. Don't be foolish. Be sensible. Don't act that way, he says. And then he warns uh, about quarreling stones. And he's warning us about digging something out so as to use it for ourselves at the expense of someone else. Don't use and abuse others, as so often is the case today. He says that's foolish. That is a foolish thing to do. But we see so often that people use people to get ahead. And people take advantage of people to get ahead. And so he says this is foolishness. We need to be wise and take time in preparing ourselves. And he uses the blade in, uh, situation there. He says, if the axe is dull and he does not sharpen its edge, then he must exert more strength. Wisdom has the advantage of giving success. So uh, not uh, trying to get ahead by taking advantage of others is uh, what he, uh, he's saying or uh, warning us about. He says we need to take time to prepare our blade. And this applies to education. Getting the best education, the best training. Sharpening our skills for effective service in the kingdom of God. Studying the word of God. Applying the word of God to our lives. It applies to us in relationships and ministry and to service, to business and government. And then in, uh, you know, he talks about the blade being uh, dull and, uh, you know, how sharp is our blade, in other words? Are you hacking away at life like a fool, he says, or staying on the sharp edge of wisdom? And the only way that you're going to do that is staying in the Word, living for the Lord through prayer and through uh, commitment to Him. Living wisely may take more time at the beginning, but it saves time in the long run, he's letting us know. Make sure you have the right tools for the job uh, that God has given you to do, and then take time to prepare them well. 
And finally, he says, think ahead in chapter 10, verse 11. If the serpent bites before charmed, there is no profit for the charmer. Now, that's just, I mean, you know, that would be even common sense. Some, if he's going from place to place and he's not training this snake, not a charmer for this snake, well then pretty soon the snake's going to react the wrong way, isn't he? So he's saying, be prepared. Don't rush ahead. Don't try to make all this money the wrong way or, or doing this without planning for the future. And with the Christian, he's, uh, he's referring to us. Don't just rush through life and do all these things that will not mean a hill of beans in eternity by leaving out God and what's best. He says, prepare for this. Wisdom. Sometimes we're to take more time to prepare. Other times we're to act before it's too late. I mean, quickly. But wisdom comes in knowing the difference. And wisdom also comes with especially thinking ahead. After the damage is done, when the snake bites, it's too late, isn't it? And so all these, you know, if you think about it, you make these decisions, tomorrow's too late. You made those decisions. Now, it doesn't mean sit back and do nothing and think, well, you know, I can't do anything. I can't. No, he's talking about wisdom. Be wise in it. Pray about it. Think ahead. Don't think about seeking counsel after you're in the ditch. Seek counsel before you fall. And the way to disfuse a snake is to use wisdom beforehand. It may come from a friend, an associate, whatever. But it comes as God works through these people and his word and wise teachers and all of this. So we're to pray for wisdom. At the same time, we've got to realize that wisdom doesn't come automatically to those who just ask for it. Yes, God gives it to us. But it doesn't, you know, it's just not a zapping out of heaven. Okay, God, give me wisdom. It comes through what? It comes through spending time with God, seeking it out. And, and uh, you know, he wants us to be dependent upon him for it. But he expects us to grow in his word from circumstances that he places in our lives to learn from wisdom. And we just don't sit back and, and just think, okay, it's, it's automatic. One great proverb for this is Proverbs 2, 1 through 9. It says, my son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom. Incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. If you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures. Then you will discern the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice, and he preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity in every good course. What a great one to go with that. Amen. I mean, Proverbs 2, 1 through 9. So now in chapter 10, in verses 12 through 20, we see what he's talking about tonight for us. 
in, uh, in chapter uh, 10, verses 12, uh, we see words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious, while the lips of a fool consume him. Now, what is he talking about here? He's going to give us a portrait of a fool. That's what he's going to share with us. A picture of a fool. He moves, uh, you know, when the scripture, this is the wonderful thing about the scripture. When, he, when God paints a life, the spirit of God never overlooks what? Our blemishes, does it? Our scars or uh, any other Im- imperfections. He doesn't overlook those. Now, today, though, our society wants to overlook them, don't they? In many ways. I mean, even a model used to, you know, you, you would see a picture, and the picture would be real of the person, you know, the best picture it could be. But today, even to get away with, from all the blemishes, what do they do? They spray paint the picture. They try to do away with all the blame. Not God. Uh, you know, the divine artist, God, does not flatter his subjects. He lets you know what they look like. A fool, what he looks like. And a wise person, what he looks like. And so this chapter is a case in point for it. And having, you know, established uh, indisputable evidence that wisdom, as we saw already, is the only way to, to go, folly and foolishness are placed in contrast alongside those who are wise. And we, we saw last time, as we looked at these verses and briefly went over them tonight, that fools do not listen or learn. And they cannot hide the truth from anyone. So fools are known as such by the public. And, and while on the, you know, the subject here, Solomon goes further into detail supplying additional information about the characteristics of a fool. And as he does, you know, you can find that characteristic in other scriptures like Psalm 14, uh, uh, 1 tells us that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. We talked about that. Through this, these scriptures that we talked about briefly tonight and we talked about more in depth last week. A fool says in his heart that there is no God. A fool removes himself completely from the fact that there is any divine accountability. That's why people you see today want to be so independent. They want to be in control of the, the situation. They want to be in charge because they do not want any accountability. And if you claim that there is a God, then you claim that someone is higher than you, and you claim that he is a creator, and you claim that you've got to answer to him. Whether you come out and say it or not, that's what you're saying. And so scripture speaks much more strongly of this than we often realize. And then, you know, another, he talks about in Proverbs, we read of at least three specific characteristics of a fool's nature. Uh, He mocks at sin. Well, a person who says in his heart that there's no God's going to mock at sin, isn't he? In uh, Proverbs 14.9. And um, he... uh, he makes, in other words, light of wrong. Don't we see that today so much? I mean, people are just making so light of what 
God says is wrong. And then second, fools are deceivers. In, in Proverbs 14, 8, uh, it says um, uh, fools lie to themselves and others without any ill conscience. They have no ill conscience about it. They can lie and not feel bad at all. And oh, how you face that today. Can you count on any word that's said? And then third, wickedness is a personal pleasure. In Proverbs 10, 23, fools see wickedness as a sport. They approach it that way. No amount of pleading or talking or threatening uh, will change a fool. He must learn in a very stern and severe manner not to be foolish. So the first thing that we're going to look at tonight is foolish talkers with this passage. And this is probably the first part. There's two parts divided here. But first part we're going to be talking about uh, just tonight. And that is the foolish talkers. Look in verses 12 through 15. He says in, uh, in chapter tw uh, 10. He says, words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious while the lips of a fool consume him. The beginning of his talking is folly. And the end of it, it is wicked madness. You see the digression there? Yet the fool multiplies words. No man knows what will happen and who can tell him what will come after him. And then he goes on. In verse 15, the toil of a fool so wearies him that he does not even know how to go to a city. So first, he says, the fool, the words from the mouth of a wise man are gracious, but the lips of a fool consume him. They're consuming words. Now what does that mean? That means they're very destructive words, doesn't it? A wise man, a wise person, he's going to speak graciously. He's going to uh, calculate his words. Now, I'm not trying to be, I'm not saying necessarily politically correct, but he's not just going to say something off the top of his head that might be very destructive to the person. He's going to say what God would have him to say and what situation that he's in as he prays about it. And whether in personal conversation or a public ministry, our Lord, he always knew, didn't he, exactly the right thing to say at the right time. I mean, he may confront the, uh, the, the religious leaders who were trying to kill him and, and out to kill him, but he would confront them in the right way, wouldn't he? He knew exactly what to say. He would ask questions sometimes. They would try to pinpoint him and get him in a corner. And what would he do? He would come back with a question. He would come back with uh, comments, uh, you know, that put them on the spot. And, but in a very wise way. And so we should try to emulate, emulate him. Uh, but the fool, he'll blurt out whatever's on his mind. And he doesn't stop to consider who might be hurt by it. And what it might do. Uh, in the end, it's a fool of himself who is hurt the most. It says, a fool is consumed by his own lips. In other words, it's going to consume him. It's going to eat him up. He, I mean, he's going to be isolating himself from a lot of people. 
and he's going to hurt himself. And it may be business deals that he loses or whatever. It may be workers that quit because of his foolishness, whatever it might be. Or it may be, you know, uh, someone uh, in the family saying foolish things uh, to each other, the spouses. And before they know it, they keep on doing this and acting this way than the other person. And I'm not, you know, uh, condoning, uh, you know, just leaving the, the spouse completely. But I am saying sometimes it may be a breakaway to get their attention and to let them know that, hey, and pray for them and, and say, hey, you know, I hope that you come to your uh, senses because you won't listen and, and, you know, and even when it, through my silence, it, nothing has happened except you've become mad. And so in Scripture, scripture uh, destructive words are compared to weapons of war, even. Proverbs uh, 25, 18, it talks about them being like warfare. And, and then in James 3, 5 through 6, it talks about what? The tongue being a fire. And uh, uh, not only that, but a poisonous beast also in James 3, 7 through 8. So a person may try to hurt others with their lies and their slander and their angry words, but they are really hurting themselves the most because they become very bitter and, and angry people. They become isolated. They become self-centered totally. They, they don't even, as, as we look at this even further, they don't even see what they're saying half the time. They're just spouting off it, it, with words, thinking that, you know, they're smart and they're wise when, when they, they don't even realize, you know, their words are empty. So the first thing, uh, Proverbs 13, 3, it says, Whoever, or 21, 23, excuse me, whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. So that's a wise person. And the second thing that he speaks about, not only these consuming words, but they're uh, destructive words, but also they're, they're also uh, unreasonable words. In other words, in verse 13, he tells us that, the beginning of his talking is folly, and the end of it is wicked madness. In other words, it's unreasonable. He doesn't make sense. The longer he talks, the crazier it becomes. And he, uh, he you know, it'd be better for him to keep quiet. But because all that he's talking so much and all that he says, it lets everyone else know that he's a fool. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Paul called these people unruly and vain talkers. Titus, uh, uh, in Titus 1.10, J.B. Uh, Phillips translates it, who will not recognize authority, who talk nonsense. That's all they do. That's all they know how, is to talk nonsense. And so, this is the second one, unreasonable. You, you, you know, you can uh, run into these people every once in a while. One uh, author said, uh, you can tell when a fool speaks, he grinds much but produces little. And that's so true. And then, not only is it 
you know, consuming or destructive and unreasonable. But also, it's out of control. It's uncontrollable. In verse 14, we, um, yet we read, Yet the fool multiplies words. No man knows what will happen, and who can tell him what will come after him. In other words, it is, you know, unpredictable. It, it is out of control. The fool is full of words and, and without realizing that he's saying nothing. And he's just going on and on and on. And in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he, is, uh, he who restrains his lips, as Proverbs says, is wise. So the person who can control his or her tongue is able to discipline his in, or her entire body. As James tells us. Jesus said but let your yes be yes. And your no be no. For whatever is more than this. Is from the evil one. But, and you see. This is what the fool does. He just keeps on going on and on and on. And we, uh, we see that. It, you know it's just not making sense. And uh, finally. Uh, with these words. We see that he talks about them being boastful. There's, con, you know, there's a lot of confusion and, and stupidity with that being boastful. He, uh, he says in verses 14 and 15, the last part of it, No man knows what will happen and who can tell him what will come after him. The toil of a fool so wearies him that he does not even know how to go to a city. Foolish people talk about the future as though they either know all about it or they're in control of what will happen now we hear this all the time man and you're going to hear more and more of it I hate to say it but it's election time coming up it's not just a few months before election anymore they drag it out over a year they have all these debates and they have all these questions. And some, some of the questions are some of the stupidest questions I've ever. I, I mean, you know, I, I don't even. I cannot see. And they're so foolish in talking and they don't even realize how crazy the, the questions are. But then at the same time, some of the answers are just as, as, as stupid or crazy. Foolish, you can say. And you, we're going to hear a lot of that. But it's not just in politics. It's, it's in the world. You'll see it in the working world. You'll see it in families even, unfortunately. Uh, it says uh, in Proverbs 10, 19, in the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. But he who restrains his lips is wise. So the person who can control his or her tongue will be able to discipline that. And also, the talk about the future. They think they know everything. They think they know when the world's going to come to an end. They think they know what will bring it about. He's, you know, we're, we're told in Proverbs 27, 1, Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. I mean, sometimes we run around like the sky is falling, and you hear it. And you make such a big to-do out of it, and it's just nothing. 
I mean nothing. It's empty. So uh, the, the, uh, the preacher here, he puts in a, uh, a little bit of humor here. He says, the fool boasts about the future plans and wearies people with his talk. But he can't even find the way to the city. Can't even find the way to the city. Now, you know, in the Bible times, the roads to the cities were well marked so that any traveler could find his way. But the fool is so busy talking about the future that he loses his way in the present. And I think this is what happens with a lot of people. They start worrying about, oh my goodness, what's going to happen here? What's going to happen there? Yes, we should be concerned to a point. But we've always got to remember that God is sovereign, don't we? And we always have to remember that he has a plan and that he is in charge. And if we get so concerned about the future, we start worrying about this, we start thinking about that, we start imagining all of this, and we start uh, talking nonsense about a lot of things, then we don't realize what's going on in the presence with our own life. And this is what he's talking about here. He loses way in the present. He's, you know, uh, and, and it may not be so much about what's going to happen. It may be bragging about how to make money in the future and how to do this and how to do that and thinking that he has all the answers and you've got to do this and you've got to do that and they lose track about what's going on today in this day and time. They talk about what needs to be done here and what needs to be done there and they lose track about what's causing all of these problems and all of these difficulties and what's going on now and that, that the, the sin problem needs to be taken care of now. They lose track of this and this is what he's contrasting here. And so he can't even find his way to the city was probably using an ancient proverb about stupidity not unlike our he's so dumb he couldn't learn the route to run an elevator you know and uh, that's that's basically what he's saying there so so Solomon is is uh, letting us know that we the importance of being wise and not and and what he's dealing with as far as foolishness is what people under the sun they get so wrapped up in humanism and the and finding answers by other people who are wrapped up in humanism that they get lost in the presence present and this is what he talks about here and then he he moves on in in verses 16 through 20 and he talks about um you know foolish officers here or workers here and we will talk about that later on so let's bow our heads in prayer father i just want to